You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hi there and hello, it's Brooke Walker coming to you with our latest Family Rules, the podcast conversation. And today's conversation is a good one. It's a great one, honestly. And it proves the point as to why we created this companion platform to our Family Rules television show on BYU TV. I'm going to peel back the production curtain and just tell you a lot of what we prepare and produce and discuss and record doesn't make the cut. Unfortunately, TV is bound by some pretty strict timing guidelines. And in this particular episode, I'm referring to season two, episode 10, there was so much that we weren't able to bring you that we felt fit into the category of parenting gold that I'm excited to piggyback and expand the conversation, the topic of big-hearted kids. It's a great topic for sure, but it's made greater by the voice we're putting behind it. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. For many of you, he'll need no introduction. Dr. Hank Smith is a religion professor at Brigham Young University. He's an author, a consultant, an inspirational speaker, and a recent podcaster himself. He and John, by the way, are producing a podcast called Follow Him, where they expand and develop the Come Follow Me gospel curriculum in ways that are enlightening and refreshing and add to your personal religious study pursuits. So it's a new favorite of mine. I'll encourage you to add that to your podcast playlist as well. Dr. Smith has a particular interest, a special gift, I'll say, in motivating teens to be their best selves, not just the teens he teaches and instructs, but also his own. He's a father of five and is quick to tell you some of his best parenting lessons are learned at home. We talked about how to cultivate big-hearted teens, and I love that phrase. I'll tell you why in our conversation. And and Dr. Smith had a great definition of big-hearted teens as well, how we as parents can get curious and even practice a formula that will allow us to see the potential of that big-heartedness, to see the selflessness and the sacrifice that teens sometimes don't readily show us on the surface. I think you'll learn a lot. I think you'll find his formula to be applicable and approachable, and I know it will change your parenting game as it has mine. So here's my conversation, my expanded family rules conversation with Dr. Hank Smith on how to raise big-hearted kids. Dr. Smith, Brother Smith, welcome to Family Rules, the podcast. Thank you for jumping in, sir. I am excited to be with you, Brooke. This is fantastic. We, I did, I got, it was an amazing opportunity to do, uh, to be on television with Brooke Walker. <laughs> oh, like boy. that's a big deal for me. Okay. I'll pay you later for that. That's No, really it's kind. a big deal to me. And, uh, people don't realize how exhausting it is. I was watching you <laughs> and you, man, you were doing like nine episodes in a row and you were just, uh, your hair is changing. Oh my Clothes gosh. Clothes change, makeup change. You're, You're like, kind. here we go. And here we go. Here we go. Lights, camera, yep. action. You need to be my yep. agent or something with that, with that kind of esteem that you just pumped into my veins. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, it's just exciting to I get to talk to the Brooke Walker oh again. Oh my gosh. That's, we had such a good time life. on Family Rules, the television show, and there was so much yep. left unsaid that I was grateful you would chime in and extend this topic of raising big-hearted kids. And I'm not I'm not trying to just do a return ball on the compliment, but for me, I was a fan and follower long before I even counted you as an early oh. friend. So I'm just a, a fan, Brother Brother Smith, of the, of the messaging you're putting out there, the light you're putting out there, and particularly how you're motivating the youth. When did you know the youth would be 
kind of a point of focus or an emphasis in your <laughs> personal and professional career? I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I you know I I kind of uh, move forward and go through the doors that that open up for me. And this was something that felt very comfortable to me. I remember just being back off a mission or something and uh, seeing like, hey, I really enjoyed this. Like I taught a group of teenagers and I said, hey, that was really fun. I, I really enjoyed that. And the kids were like, hey, you're pretty, that was really funny. Like thanks so much, right? <laughs> uh, and I I did EFY and I got a chance to substitute teach at seminary just to make some money, you know, while I was going to school, pay tuition, um, and ended up getting a job with it. And just, it just kept growing. And, uh, it is what it is, uh, today. I feel like I'm getting older though. So it's, it's, uh, it's harder and harder, right. To, to make that connect, I have teenage, Yeah. I have teenagers of my own now, which ah. it was so much easier teaching other people's teenagers than it is. <laughs> Stakes didn't feel as high. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is easy. This teenager stuff is easy. Now I have my own. I'm like, oh, wow, this is harder than I thought. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that. I think some parents more naturally connect with the baby phase, right? I can mm. put myself in that group. Of course, that's all I have right now. But then there are parents out there who say, no, the teenage phase gets a bad rap. Like I'm really enjoying raising these kids. For you, there was obviously a natural connection to that age group. But do you consciously, thoughtfully have to work at it a little bit to form that connection through the generations? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I love, um, these teenage years. I absolutely do. Like I, maybe it's, we're on the same brain level. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> my son and I, who's 14, we just laugh, right? Yeah, we yeah. laugh at a lot of things. We enjoy a lot of the same things. So it's fun to have them as peers. It really mm. is, um, to just converse about things and, and laugh and play games that aren't candy land. And, you know, <laughs> Hey, don't knock my hi-ho Cheerio. That's all we've right? got yeah. going over here. <laughs> it's fun to actually play a game. Now I enjoyed Candyland. Don't sure. get me wrong, but but I really didn't. Yeah, I, I did it because I had to. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I, I I try not to be too casual with it mm -hmm. uh, because you know when I'm out speaking or I'm out at a school or something, I'm so focused on yeah. the kid and listening and really trying to get into their head. And with my own kids, I can be a little too casual mm. uh, and not that focused. So there are times where I'm like, wait, if this was if I was out on a job or something, if I was out speaking, if I was out teaching, yeah. I would be much more focused than I sure. am right now. So I better focus in. So yeah, I think I have to be mindful of it. And I have to imagine the answer to this question changes depending on what you're studying or feeling or experiencing at the moment. So I'm not going to pin you to like a number one thing or what tops your list. But generally speaking, what is something, one specific thing that perhaps parents could implement to better connect with their kids or as we're trying to teach and influence our kids or even our grandkids? kids, is there a mode or an approach or a method that you feel might help us as parents kind of bridge that gap better? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think so. Uh, the first thing my um, the first thing that comes to mind is from my dissertation work. So um, as my doctorate degree was, uh, my dissertation was on high trust relationships. And so it's mm -hmm. easy to take some of those principles and apply them to families. And uh, high trust relationships are only formed with interaction. Um, and that interaction has to have four qualifications or four characteristics okay. in the very beginning. Uh, and that is, uh, it has to be frequent, mm -hmm. personal, positive, and low risk. So those are your four. Frequent is, you know, I can't see you once a year and expect to have a relationship, right? Personal is, um, you know, like something like this, where you and I are talking versus, uh, you know, we're watching a movie, mm -hmm. right? It's not very personal. Uh, frequent personal positive, meaning everybody leaves the 
interaction going, hey, that was fine. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, nobody's crying, right? And <laughs> um, and low risk. And that's probably the hardest one for parents is low risk, is um, having interaction with a teenager that is low risk, meaning we don't try to solve all the world's problems today. We mm-hmm. just enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. We just enjoy being together. We play a game and we don't discuss grades or friends or, you know, the lie you told me last week or whatever that is. We just have that interaction. And from that, trust comes naturally. It grows naturally. Um, so, uh, for example, I try to build this into my into my relationship with my kids. My wife does as well. Is, um, maybe, I, maybe we talked about this on the show. I don't remember, but... Uh, my son, uh, Mason, was born on September 14th. So the 14th of every month mm-hmm. is his day. He knows to spend time with either my wife or I or both of us together, just him and us. And it happens on the 14th of every single month. And he can count on it, right? And so uh, a different day for, you know, my daughter was on the 20th. So on the 20th of every month. And we have worked that into our life where it doesn't seem like a burden. It just seems like what we do. And that's my way of saying, okay, here's something that's frequent, personal, positive, and low risk. And of course we do family, you know, where all of us are Mm -hmm, together mm -hmm. more frequently than that. But anything that you can do to spend positive time together will naturally build relationships. The Probably the myth is that, oh, I gave birth to it. It has to trust me. And it, uh, <laughs> that, that's doesn't, just, that doesn't translate. It's just not oh, the case. Yeah, my parents will say to me, how come my kids will talk to their friends and not to me? And I'm like, well, how do they have all the frequent, personal, positive, low-risk interaction with? Mm-hmm. It's their friends. Uh, or why do they talk to this, you know, so-and-so's mom over their own mom? Because right. they have a lot of frequent, personal, positive, and low-risk interaction with that person. And eventually it just kind of, it grows naturally. If you and I were to just do this every single day, we would we would develop a high-trust relationship because mm-hmm. that's, it's a natural fruit of mm-hmm. spending you know, this interaction together. Does that make sense? Yes, I love it. I love the formula too. I hope too. I'm, sense I'm all about a formula. Give me a to, good to-do list and I'll check right, it out. Yeah. So no, that's really helpful and insightful and it just makes sense. It just clicks. You mentioned being mindful of avoiding too casual of a relationship and it brought up this thought and, and for full reference, I have two younger sisters who are much younger than I am, like in the 18 to 24 okay. year old age category. And I often take on the mothering role. So though I don't have teenagers or young adults <laughs> yet, I think I can connect to the vibe. And Absolutely. I sometimes find find myself in trying to connect with these young adults, my sisters in this case, I find myself trying to, you know, bring a little levity and lightness and you don't want it to feel too heavy or too hard. And I know that's in part, very small part, what makes you such a popular teacher is you do bring a lightness and a levity to sometimes otherwise heavy conversations. I was talking to a parent the other day of teenagers who said, I sometimes worry we're too casual that we're not having the serious, thoughtful conversations because we're Mm -hmm. trying so hard to connect on their wavelength. Does that make sense? Or at their speed? What's the balance there? How can we bring a lightness to, you know, heavy topics that we might be concerned about as parents, but do it in a way that's meaningful and still connects with our kids? I think that's that's a that's a fantastic question, um, and I, I I think that's what that's great that you're trying to connect with them on their level. You're trying to see their life from the way they see it, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, to, to a 16 year old girl, uh, I shouldn't say to all 16 year old girls, but to some 16 year old girls that I've interacted with, uh, the most important thing today is like, do my nails match my eye 
shadow, right? Like <laughs> yes. that is the most important thing. Oh, there was an earthquake in Europe that killed millions of people. Oh, yes, but do my nails match my eyeshadow, right? Like it, it, it's a different time of life. It's a very selfish time of life. Brain's not fully developed. Sure. So anytime as a parent that you're trying to say, oh, let me see life the way you see it. Let me meet you where you are. I think that's wonderful. For me personally, um, I think when I, when the relationships kind of stops that, you know, hey, we're, we're pals is when we come up against boundaries. So uh, we have pretty clear established boundaries um, that are created in a non-emotional setting. That's really crucial mm-hmm. to, to set boundaries with your teenagers when things aren't emotional. Most often we want to set boundaries when things are super emotional right. and we start laying out the boundaries uh, and you know, you're over this boundary and they didn't even know where the boundary was. Can you imagine, right? Like <laughs> playing a game and all of a sudden you found out you're out of bounds. Playing Candyland, for example, yeah. and realizing yeah, the red you square. No with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea that you were breaking the rules, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that becomes a natural tendency. So something to be a little bit more, um, uh, to be more deliberate is to say, okay, I know someday we're going to run into boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to run into a place where you and I disagree. Uh, and I, if we establish that boundary beforehand, then I can switch from casual to you're getting close to the boundary here. Gotcha. Um, and, and as they get closer and closer to the boundary, I become more and more of dad and less and less of uh, a friend, Pal. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's totally fine. That's my role. In fact, the, just last night, I turned to my daughter and I said, Madeline, and she went, Why'd you call me by my full name? Dad voice. Yeah. And I said, oh, sorry. I just was asking you a question. Yeah. And so she knows there's a, there's a, like, what did I do? I didn't get right. close to a boundary. It's right. almost like being a referee, right? Like you got too close to that. You broke a rule. You, you stepped out of bounds. I'm calling you on it uh-huh. every single time because yeah. it's, it's a boundary. So I, yes. to me, that that's it. The unemotional part is the crucial part of it because we we only have we only seem to have these conversations when we're emotional, mm-hmm. right? Uh, someone broke a rule, and now we got to have this big talk, and we're up late, and people are crying, and and don't go don't. Uh, don't think I'm perfect, bro. I have had those moments as well. <laughs> I've had those moments as well. Uh, it's mostly over like eighth grade math, oh, right? I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so for me, it's it's the crucial part of this is being proactive enough to say, okay, we're going to have these moments. We better, let's establish clear boundaries now before everyone's emotional. And that way I can kind of put all the weight on the boundary. Like, oh, remember, we discussed this already. Right. I'm sorry you're upset about it. Previously established. Got it. And it's always the same. Think of it like a basketball game, right? The boundaries don't change. Mm -hmm. The boundaries are set and Mm -hmm. everybody plays within the boundaries because they know where the boundaries are. Can you imagine if the boundaries were moving all the time, (laughs) right? That would be the most, and you'd be vulnerable. You'd, you would, no one would dare move. Uh, because and no the one would, quote, win the game, right? I mean, we'd both yeah. be, yeah, adjusting constantly. Yeah. Well, you let me squirrel on a couple of those questions. So thank you so much. At the heart of this conversation is the topic that we're picking up from our previous television chat together, which is raising big-hearted kids. And I really like the phrase or the title big-hearted because I think that's the ultimate goal of so many parents out there is does my child have an openness about them that allows them to see others, serve others, and take on the world in a positive way? How would you define that that title, Big Hearted Kid? Oh, I love that. I, I remember when my oldest went off to school for the first time and my 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 biggest hope was that people would be nice to her, mm-hmm. right? Like there's my little girl, she's going to kindergarten. I yeah. hope 
someone's nice to her. And now as I've aged as a parent and, you know, I have teenagers and kids, a couple still in elementary, um, my biggest concern when I drop them off is, oh, I hope they're nice to others, mm. right? Like <laughs> at first we're just so protective, like, oh no, I, I, I just want people to be kind to them. No one be mean ever. And now I'm, I'm my major concern when they get out of the car, when I drop them off is be nice to the other kids. Right. 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 Uh, right. so I like this idea of big heartedness because, um, you know, that's what we're after, uh, I often tell my kids and maybe uh, your kids are still pretty little, Brooke. So maybe the, you don't say this, but to my older kids, I'm always saying, I'm not, I'm not here to just, you know, be your parent. I want to help you become a good adult, sure. right? Because one day you're going to be adult, you're going to be on your own. So this isn't the whole goal is to just get your room clean here mm-hmm. or to make sure, you know, things are done right here. Mm-hmm. The goal is to say, okay, how are you going to do this on your own? Right? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. And so the biggest hope for me, and I, I think for most parents is, oh, I hope they're a good person. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope they're a good adult. I hope they're a contributing member of society and they're kind to people and uplifting and, uh, and serve others. Uh, and that starts, you know, with the training yeah. ground. Yeah. So if we have that kind of goal in mind, I think it, it, instead of, oh, I want my, I want to have a big hearted teenager. It's, I want to help you become a big hearted adult and, you know, that then this teenage year becomes more of a training ground. I appreciate that perspective. It gives us a runway as parents, first of all, kind of a long, a longer goal, longevity in yeah. mind. But also it touches on something you said earlier, that there's a natural selfishness about teens, right? That underdeveloped mm-hmm. brain doesn't allow them to have the big scope or the big perspective all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we, I used, <laughs> I think I, as a dad, I, and I, I shouldn't say I used to, I still do. Sometimes we get mad at puppies for being puppies, right? Like teenagers are teenagers and sometimes we expect them to be adults. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, they have adult bodies. And so we're like, why, why in that body does that behavior come out of you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when it, we should probably remember that they're working with some limited tools here. Uh, and so mistakes and missteps uh, and, you know, it's doing things wrong, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, all of that's going to become pretty natural. Mm. Uh, and so instead of stopping that behavior, it's saying, okay, well, I'm going to help mentor you through this. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if, if you were, if you and I were, you know, if I was your, if I was your boss and I, you know, took you out to do a job, but you have very limited tools than I have, right? I got a tool belt that's full of all these tools and you've got a hammer and a screwdriver and that's about it. I'm going to have the expectation that your stuff's not going to look good, right? But it's not because it's not because you're broken or you're a bad worker. You're just working with limited tools. And, you know, as they get older, you'll start to see those tools come into the tool belt. And it's pretty fun to watch that happen where your older teenager goes, oh, wait, what I do now affects what happens later. You're like, yes. That aha win. It does. Parenting win. <laughs> they're like, I've never, they're like, I've never <laughs> thought about that. You're going, I've tried to get you to think about that for years. Well, let me do this, Brother Smith. Let me throw out some suggestions, some scenarios rather. And you can maybe tell us as parents how to strengthen that tool belt, how to maybe put the tool in their hands that might help them expand their heart or expand their view in a way. Um, I'm thinking of social media. I'm thinking of that teenager you referred to that wants 
wants the matching nails to the matching outfit and wants that perfect picture on Instagram. Um, And they're posting a lot of pictures uh, with a lot of different friends. Are they doing it to prove a point? Are they doing it to be seen? How can we shape their social media interactions to be more encompassing or inclusive of everyone in their world? Oh, see, the, and this is this is a perfect example of okay, is is this teenager's brain ready for this world? Mm-hmm. Right? Are they ready for this task? It would be a cruel thing to do as a parent, is to you know, uh, you how's your oldest? Five, Four, five, five, five. It would be a cruel thing for you to be like, here's the keys to the car, figure it out, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, you're she'd just love setting, it. She would love yeah, it, but <laughs> yeah, and you, you're setting themselves up. You're setting them up for pain, heartache, misery, and others as well, right? right. right? So, uh, and every kid is different when it comes to their brain development. So, some kids are going to be able to take this this social media this tool we're giving them and they're going to be like they're going to be just fine mm-hmm. others it's it's too much you're you're handing them too much at once so i like the idea of just introducing this gradually okay. because this is a part of our world um it, maybe you might have a teenager's like no i never want to do that well if that's the case good for you because most want to most want to be involved in some form of social media so introducing that to them gradually can really help them handle, you know, this small piece. So layered approaches or small steps at a time. Absolutely. And then uh, the idea is let's take this character we've been trying to bring out, right? This big heartedness and say, okay, now you've got a new tool in your tool belt. How can your, how can you use this to, to help other people Uh, versus uh, the main, you know, what can happen when I just hand it to a teenager is it becomes a symbol of vanity, uh, becomes something they rely upon for self-esteem. Uh, and that's dangerous, yeah. right? Um, you and I, I don't know, Brooke, you're young. Uh, <laughs> I don't but know. I did not grow up with any of this. Like I was not a teenager with social media. And aren't you grateful in some sense yeah, that it wasn't yeah, even I'm, an option? I know, I know. Yeah, so I, I it's it's harder because you can't go, well, when I was at your age. Uh-huh. It's there was no when I was your age. We pass notes, actual physical notes to each other, <laughs> the right? Check and, yes or no. Yeah. Can you imagine it going around the whole school and everyone gets to put if they like it or not? Ah. They like that note or not, right? Um, it, it's a totally different, a totally different animal. So um, for me, I and again, this is hard to do as a parent. Sometimes when talking about parenting, you make it sound so easy. It is so hard. Um, it's this idea of okay, I'm going to give you this tool. How are you going to use it? Oh, that looks big hearted. Good, good. And then find out the motive. Why did you do that? That was an awesome picture. Why did you put that up there? Right. And you can kind of gather in their response, you know, oh, I got this picture of me and my friends at the temple. Why'd you do that? Well, I just don't want everybody to think we're going to the temple a lot. Oh, okay. Hang on. What, (laughs) what, What do you mean? Why do we do that? Or, you know, versus, oh, I just really want people to know what I believe and where I stand. The answer to that question of why did you do that is going to be uh, is going to be telling. And might be enough is what I'm hearing you say. You don't have to lay it out for them, but let them kind of think and develop that behind the scenes story of why. Yeah. And especially as they age, right? If I'm talking to a 12 year old, then I can be a little bit more, you know, guide me ish Mm -hmm. versus my daughter. Who's, you know, she's going to be 17 soon. We've got to start saying here, you know, here's the keys. Sure. You've got to figure this out. Sure. Right. And, and then again, we go back to this idea of not being, not being mortified by mistakes. 
right? Not Let being the puppy shocked. be the puppy. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Well, yeah. It's a it, it's a, a teenager is a teenager. This is what they do. Okay. Um, they do funny things like this. Let me throw out another scenario. The teenager who's living in his or her earbuds. So maybe they take them out when you absolutely get their attention and have something to say. But otherwise, the idea of blocking out the world just feels within their their comfort zone. That would read to no. a lot of parents and grandparents, I think, as selfish. How can we, how can we rechannel that or offer them a tool that might help expand that big heartedness in a situation like that? I think that's excellent. It comes back to the same idea that we talked about earlier is not giving people, not giving these young people things that they, that they're going to overcome them, right? They're no longer, they're no longer governing them. They're being governed by them. Um, when it, when I see, like, if I were, if I were at, in a watching in a home and someone said, Hey, take your earbuds out. And the kid, you know, pulls the earbuds out and go, you know, the, I'm more, I'm not concerned about the earbuds. I'm more concerned about the relationship. Like, and and if a, a parent ever says to me something like, well, it's a teenage thing, I'm like, well, n- not necessarily. Uh, because I've seen a lot of parents with great relationships with their teenagers. How much time do you spend together? Right? Um, uh, well, they don't want to knit with me. Okay, well, what do they want to do? <laughs> right? I remember talking to one mom who said, um, she said, I just can't connect. He and I can't connect. And, and I said, well, you know, what does he like to do? He just plays video games. He just plays video games. And I said, okay, I want you to to try to spend time together. And anyway, we talked a couple weeks later and she said, it really hasn't made a difference. Uh, He plays video games. I sit by him uh, and I knit. (laughs) And I said, um, I said, okay, I want you to try something that is way outside your comfort zone. And she's like, I know what you're asking me to do. Don't ask me to do it. Don't you tell me to put down those needles and pick up that Yeah, I'm like, you're going to play that game. And it was some like steal a car, shoot people game. Of course it was. Um, Yeah. And so she said, um, it was a fascinating discussion with her. She said, you know, I asked to play and he was kind of looked at me like, are you serious? You want to play this game? And she said, yeah, I want to, it looks fun. Let me, let me figure it out. Um, And she said, I played and I got pretty good. (laughs) She's like, I, I figured it out. Took me a couple of times, but I, I figured it out. Who knew I was good at stealing cars virtually? She's like, look at me. I, (laughs) it's just so crazy. Here she is this, you know, 40 something year old woman. Um, And she said, it wasn't, um, it wasn't probably the fifth or sixth time they're playing it where they're talking about the game, like at dinner. Right. They're like, so did you see when on level whatever, seven? I and and the other kids at the table are going, What, mom? You're playing Grand Theft Auto or whatever? Yeah. Um, and she said, uh, we were sitting there playing the game at one point and it kind of was loading, right? Sometimes those games have a 30-second thing where they're loading. And the and his her son said, um, Mom, I I don't want to grow up and be a loser. Uh, right. I really don't want to grow up and be a loser. And I, I know you think I'm going to. And she's like, no, 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 honey, I don't think. And it started opening up. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to this idea of, oh, I have to force to be with you. I, I, I say, let's go back to the basics of interaction that is frequent, personal, positive and low risk. Let's build this relationship a little bit. Um, so so when I do, you know, because that's a totally different scenario when he's got his earbuds in. And she comes over to him. They've been playing this game together. They have a closer relationship. And she comes over and she's like, hey, take the earbuds out. And he'd be like, all right. Do you see the difference between that? And fine, you control my life. Totally. Um, So, and oftentimes, Brooke, I think 
earbuds, at least for the teenagers I've, um, I've talked to, um, there's a lot, there's high anxiety. There's a lot of high anxiety for teenagers today, much more than when I was a kid, more than when you were a kid. Um, The anxiety just, you know, climbs for this age group, 14 to 24. And sometimes it's a way to calm their anxiety is to just put those earbuds in and I just need to calm down for a little bit. Now, it's not the case for everyone, but that's a discussion topic of, of hey, why do you like those so much? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sleep? accusing you of anything, but why yeah. do you like putting your earbuds in so much and see if they're, it's, you know, you were, they're not selfish, they're anxious, mm-hmm. right? See if mm-hmm. that's the case. All right. One more scenario, if you have the time. I, I'm thinking of, of a family situation. Let's say a boating trip is on the calendar, right? Come Saturday morning, our family is going to have this togetherness. We're going to be unified. We're going to laugh. Gosh darn it. We're going to have fun. We're going to do all the things families do on a Saturday morning boating trip. And at last minute, this teenager gets an invitation, a counter invite to go hang with friends, doing something completely opposite and not connected to that family bonding moment that these parents had so carefully planned. Do I internalize that? How do I handle that? And how can I help them see the big hearted openness to even their own family relationships? Oh man, that is such a good question. And you can probably tell where I'm going to go. I'm going to come back to uh, a relationship is better than a rule, right? So uh, a close relationship is going to trump anything that you can do at that moment to fix it, right? So if that kid doesn't want to spend time with their family, that's the bigger issue. Like why? Why don't you want to? And do they normally? Do they normally want to? Well, maybe this is an exception. Well, if this is an exception, then go have fun, right? For some reason, they're like, well, this boy is super cute and I've never hung out with him before. Okay, well, that's a different scenario than I don't want to be with you people, mm. right? That's a totally different thing. So um, that's that, that would be my first question. Second, I would come back to this idea of boundaries, that we've established pretty firm boundaries for kids. And one of those is when we have plans... We keep those plans. And that's a good adult skill, right? Like if you and I were going to do this podcast and you got an invitation to, you know, go hang out with someone at KSL and you're like, Hank's not that cool. I'm going to go hang out with someone at KSL. That's not a good adult (laughs) skill, right? You left me hanging here going. First of all, I would never. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, never. I'm the coolest. (laughs) Never. Yes. Would I ditch out on you? (laughs) So, I mean, a good adult skill is, is following up on what you said you would do, right? So that's something I would discuss. Hopefully, I have the relationship with my daughter, and I say, Maddie, uh, you know, we follow through on our commitments, right? You made a commitment to do this. So I want you to follow up through your commitment, right? Your brothers are really looking forward to this. You told them you would be there, right? This is a skill that I want you to have in life. Now, again, I'm going to come back to this idea. If she's really angry and doesn't want to spend time with our family, that's a much bigger issue. That's a relationship Um, issue then is what you're saying. Yeah, this is a relationship problem. And I'm probably going to go back to, we haven't gone to lunch lately. You know, let's go to lunch. Let me take you to lunch. Where do you want to go? Um, And... And I'm not going to fix her problems. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, go through all the list of things that she needs to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, we're just going to have a good, a good interaction. And then I'm going to do that again next week. And I'm going to do that again next week. And like we've talked about earlier, the, these high stakes discussions, these high stake conversations, they happen naturally in high trust relationships. I mean, think about you and your husband, right? You have high stake discussions all the time. And yet nobody, very rarely does anybody flip out and, you know, run away. Well, why? It's because you've, this relationship is so solid uh, that we can have these high, we can have these high risk discussions and they're important discussions to have, but having a high risk discussion without a relationship is kind of a, 
it's, man, that's kind of a recipe for, for a blow up. I hear a lot of curiosity in your approach to teenagers as well, like getting underneath it, not assuming as the parent, I have all the answers or the understanding or the know-how. In every scenario, there was this curiosity like, well, why? Well, what? Let me get underneath it and try to see it from your perspective. Yeah. Is that to a parent's benefit to get curious? I think absolutely in any relationship, sure. right? Think about a marriage. If you're curious about why your husband does what he does, then you're less likely to you know, go, why do you do that? <laughs> um, why do you sit there all day? How can you love that? You know, how can anybody sit there all day? So I think, yeah, with teenagers, it's the idea of, and I find them fascinating. I, <laughs> it's almost like watching the Discovery Channel. You're I'm like, like, who Ooh. needs the zoo? I'm going to sit yeah, here yeah. and I can watch these you. young these young humans yeah, <laughs> do yeah. funny things. So, and, and they make me laugh a lot, even when they don't mean to, right? Like I am over there laughing and what? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm like, because <laughs> you, you just said something really funny and kind of, you know, not connected to reality. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I do. I, I ask myself why a lot. Probably the thing that gets in the way the most is emotion uh, with my own kids. It's easy to do with someone else's teenager because I'm, I'm not emotionally invested in that kid. Like I want them to succeed. I'm happy they're doing well, but it's, it's easy to talk to them and be, be curious about mm -hmm. them. With my own kids, if pride gets in the way where I'm like, oh, you made me look bad, right? Because that's that's a problem sometimes. I'm, I, you know, I'm not famous by any means, but, you know, teaching at BYU and, and doing a couple other, you know, public things, uh, people will say, oh, there's Hank Smith. I probably, you probably get this too. There's Brooke Walker. I saw her on the news, right? And then your kid does something out of control. <laughs> oh, not my like, kid. Never, never. Yeah, <laughs> never happened. <laughs> yeah. And you're going, oh man, right? I'm not, I'm not too concerned about the kid. I'm more concerned about my reputation, right? right, right. My pride. Uh, so pride can get in the way. Embarrassment can get in the way and just uh, flat out like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Emotion can get in the way um, of being curious. But I think you're right there of why are you doing that uh, is, is this, you know, this idea of, of I want to get underneath your behavior to either your motives mm -hmm. and your feelings mm, um, to see what's actually going on. Because the behavior, I could be totally wrong about the reason for that behavior when I look closer. That's happened between, sorry, I'm taken off here, but that's I happened between... That's happened between me and my daughter a lot, where I'll see a behavior that looks rebellious. Yeah. Um, but then when I get down to it, she's hurt, right? Um, and so I'm attacking the rebellion, thinking I'm, you know, making progress here when what I should be looking at is the healing of whatever mm. hurt her. She was very injured by something. It makes me think of a previous episode, actually, of Family Rules on, on the podcast front here with uh, uh, Brad Wilcox, who I know is a friend of yeah. yours as well. But he talked about how teens these days have a strong, a strong desire to make a difference. Like, can I make a mark in the world? And as we talk about big heartedness, what I'm, what I'm sitting here pondering as you've been talking is this idea that big heartedness then might not look like big heartedness now. Like, I might perceive selflessness and and service through my own lens, through my own generation, through my own experience. And to them, these kids who ultimately the research tells us do want to make a difference and they do want to leave a positive mark, it just might look different, right? The mask they're wearing, the way they're showing it or demonstrating it might look different than the way it did when I was striving for that big-hearted, that big-hearted attitude. Absolutely. The behavior they're exhibiting may look like rebellion to you or something selfish to you, but it might be frustration for them or pain for them that I'm not making the difference that I'd hope to make. Hmm. Right? Here, here my daughter is the middle of her junior year, and maybe she's thinking to herself, I haven't 
achieved the goals I wanted to. I don't have the friends I thought I would have. I'm not able to serve like I'd hoped I would, right? I'm not getting the recognition that I'd hoped I'd get for being this really kind, big-hearted person that I am. And then all of a sudden, this rebellion kind of anger flows. And I'm like, see, look, you're not big-hearted when she actually is. Yeah, She's very big-hearted. She's just frustrated sure. with her maybe her lack of opportunity or you know like you and I we all have to grieve when we when our expectations don't don't meet reality right, right. we all have to grieve that and we got to give them room to grieve that big hearted people still are real yeah, they're and they humans get frustrated. with feelings, yeah. and in some case, puppies just being puppies. I keep going back to that. I like that line. Yeah. Final thoughts, Dr. Smith, on this challenge in front of parents and grandparents today to promote big-heartedness or selflessness in today's rising generation. Final thoughts on oh, the topic, if you would. For me, and I and I hate this just as much as everybody else, just so you know. Uh, but it, I would dare say it's almost impossible for selfish parents uh, to to somehow create um, big hearted kids. Now they might turn out to be big hearted kids, but that's not going to be because of you. That's going to be in spite of you. Um, so we're, if you, if you really probably the number one thing that all of us can do to create big heartedness, selflessness, kindness in our children is to be these things, to be big hearted, kind and selfless. And, uh, they watch, they learn, they mimic, um, all of that. Uh, so often, and uh, again, I, I don't want anybody to, to leave your awesome podcast feeling guilty, uh, but it is a wake-up call sometimes to, to realize um, that the things we hate most about our kids often we see in ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. want you to become like me. Right, right. <laughs> Stop doing that because I'm like that. <laughs> and I know how frustrating that is. And now I'm seeing it in you and I've helped create that and I'm mad at myself, right? <laughs> uh, sometimes anger at our kids is just guilt overflowing, mm-hmm. right? And frustration sure. overflowing. Sure, so be that so, big-hearted parent. Yeah, and, and don't, don't, uh, don't do it with a, an agenda, right? Because we don't want them to do it with an agenda. So don't do it with, well, I'm going to make my kids big hearted, so I better pretend to be big hearted. No, become big hearted, become selfless, do some service you've never done, do some things outside of your comfort zone. Uh, and that's, those are the moments the kids go, wow, they know how imperfect you are. They know how selfish you are sometimes. And to see you do this makes them go, I, you know, maybe I'll do that too. And you don't even have to have a conversation. It's you, you taught a lesson without saying a word. Amen. I love it. Well, you said a lot of words that were inspiring and motivating and uplifting. So thank you for all of that. And I had to overcome some personal intimidation because Hank is one of the voices of my new favorite podcast. I'll say it. So tell me where we can listen more to your new project. You are so nice. My friend, John, by the way, and I, we started a podcast called uh, Follow Him. Uh, and it's just a, a weekly come follow me help for families and individuals. And we're having a lot of fun, really. Uh, it's turned out to be more fun and exciting than I than I thought it's it was. It's translating. I, I told you before we we jumped on and pushed the, the big R record button for this conversation, but it strikes a really great balance of that lightness and that levity we talked about, that hope and that inspiration paired with solid gospel principles and great educational opportunities that expanded my mind, even in the humble few episodes I've listened to. So thank you for putting Aww. that out there. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Brooke. I'll come on anytime. If you want me to come back, put it in like the reviews, you guys say, Brooke, yes. bring, bring Hank back. Well, I love that I have you on back. record saying that because I'm definitely yeah. going to take you up on it. Not abuse it by any means, but we're so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. 
You've been listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. That was today's special guest, Dr. Hank Smith. If you like this conversation, if it resonated with you, we'd invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a note. Let us know how we're doing, how it's going, how we could improve. We appreciate that feedback and take it to heart. You can rate and review again wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you jump in next time. Family Rules, the podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.